0: Hey everybody, welcome and thank you for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. My name is Zach. I'm usually here with Laura, but not today. Today I'm here with Dr. Jennifer Grace Bird. I have known Jennifer Bird since we were in high school together. She was Jenny then. Um, In the meantime, she has become a biblical scholar, focusing her work on what the Bible has to say about marriage. This episode might not be for you. It's definitely not for you if you don't care at all what the Bible has to say about marriage. And it might not be for you, even if you do care what the Bible says, because it might not say what you think it says. And that was what I wanted to talk to Dr. Bird about, pick her brain and just sort of understand a little bit of what um, is going on there. We get our second cameo of the month, which is exciting. Also, my mother makes an appearance twice, which is kind of fun. And um, I just really enjoyed catching up with Jennifer Bird. I think you'll enjoy um, hearing how her brain works, uh, particularly when it comes to the Bible and marriage. This is a very cool conversation. Stick around. You've been on my list for a really long time because Aww. I get this question a lot, or I get this a lot. People say, "Hey, just we just really want to have like a like a Christian marriage or a biblical marriage." A biblical or, marriage,
1: yeah.
0: And I'm like, great. Uh, so you're gonna like go to work for a year? You're gonna stay home from work for a year? you know, and do that whole bit where like in the old Testament, sort of like the husband, he just stops working and he stays home and he hangs out with them for that. What you want? Is that what you mean? Do you mean that you're going to have
1: multiple women in your bedroom at times? Like, what does that actually mean?
0: (laughs) So here's what I want to do. I want to just like, I want you to talk. I want to ask you questions. I want also though our listeners to appreciate that this is gonna probably stir the pot a little bit because Mm -hmm. if, if our conversation is anything like your book, like people are going to have to go, wait a second is that really it? Is that really how it goes? And what, what about this? And well, I thought, and I think we ought to do that. I think we ought to do that about the Bible. I think we ought to do that about, mm-hmm. because I'll tell you this. I don't know if like 18 year old me would call 49 year old me a Christian. Right. Like, yeah, I, I just don't know if he would. He probably Yeah. Because, he probably would. because mm-hmm. it's just really different the way I express and experience and feel all that. So I think let's just get to it. Cause I'm, I'm excited about it.
1: I am too. I'm thrilled <laughs> that you asked me to come have this conversation. So,
0: so you graduate from high school in Roanoke, Virginia. You it's, go to college, no. you change your name to Jennifer. And then what do you do next? Like what's, what's next for you? I uh,
1: was supposed to teach high school math. Actually, I had a okay. ma- math major. Like my mom. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're like, I, I've tried to follow in the footsteps <laughs> of my mentor. Mrs. in my life, Yes.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I had a, mm, for various reasons. I ended up going Young Life staff, Young Life training program instead for two years in Virginia Beach. Where'd you go? Virginia Beach. Yeah. And uh, that was, that was tough. Like I burnt out, crushed and burned basically and left Young Life entirely and moved out to Portland, Oregon. Took my time moving out there. When was that? That was that? How was that? When did you move? That was in 97, the very end of 97.
0: Okay. We got here in the summer of 99. So it's wild, kind huh? of about the same. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and about a year after. And
0: why'd you go to Portland?
1: Just, Sorry. You no, know, I had family there who had kind of planted the seed when I was in college. They're like, you should come here. You know, <laughs> it's beautiful here. And I remember thinking at the time, oh yeah, if there's ever a phase in my life when I can go wherever I want to, you know, like mm-hmm. to start over, I'm going to come here. And so that's what I did after Young Life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, that fall I was talking to, you may remember, Pam Anderson, yeah, uh, sure. On the phone. And I was still not cool with like women being ordained, even though my mother was ordained and Pam was there yeah. to be ordained, you know, like, but I needed to talk to someone who knew me a little bit. And so I called her mm-hmm. and she, mm-hmm. by the end of this conversation, I'm like, oh, I think I need to go to seminary. I mean, it wasn't even on my mm-hmm. mind. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was fall of 97, summer of 98. I'm in Princeton, New Jersey doing the summer language intensive language thing you know
0: right on okay so fall of 97 rebecca and i were married in august of 97 okay pam and dave were at our wedding oh
1: were they really oh that's cool yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. wow um and then you are simultaneously in in like the transition period where you're now going to, did you say Princeton?
1: Yeah. I was at Princeton Theological Seminary. That's, yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty sexy.
0: <laughs> Princeton's like, yeah, it's, you didn't like go to like regular old seminary down the road. You went to like the seminary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. where Pam was. And like, I just hadn't, because yeah. I hadn't thought about it. It wasn't like, I've been looking at schools, what would be a good that's fit right. for me? And it truly, that's it was right. kind of more like, Oh, I'll go, you know? And I went, Okay. after the, the deadline for applications, I went after that. So I knew I was safe. I wasn't actually going to get it. And they still accepted my application. And I think because oh, I wow. was non-denominational, I, you know, I checked mm-hmm. one of those alternate boxes for them because they're very Presbyterian, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I think that's why I got in. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. Three years that just changed my world for sure. In the best yeah. of ways, I think. Yeah. 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 So I went in, I went in, Zach, here's the thing. I went to seminary because I wanted to learn biblical languages, right? Okay. Because I could see that things could change. If you could look at the quote originals Mm -hmm. and see what's going on in their context, what's going on there. Sometimes the translations were given are not as accurate as you might think. Mm -hmm. And Pam in particular showed me a really stunning example of that. And so that's what got me to seminary was like, if this one idea can change the way I think about this story, what Mm -hmm. else is up there? What else is out there for grabs? So I Mm -hmm. went to take Greek and Hebrew and then whatever else is fine. You know, like that was my, that was my approach to it.
0: So then you, you, you're done at Princeton, you graduate and then you do what?
1: I went to, I started Baylor, uh, a a New Testament PhD program at Baylor. And when okay. I started there, when I applied there, I was probably a good fit for them. But by the time I got there, I had some of my theological ideas around like feminist theological ideas that mm. I had been introduced to at seminary, you know, were kind of shifting things around for me. And so I ended up being a very bad fit there. Um, okay, It was a very, it was really intense, actually. I, yeah. by the end of the time there, I, was, I felt like they had crushed my critical thinking and it was not good, but it was also very like I'm grateful for the learning that I for that experience, you know. Yeah. I transferred to Vanderbilt, had fantastic four years of Vanderbilt and was just grateful every day. I woke up, you know, like grateful to be yeah. there, working with someone who was trying to teach me how to do what I needed to do, not make a little mini me, you know, which yeah. in academia that can be a thing, you know, mm-hmm. great time. Then I taught full time at Greensboro College, actually. Okay. Right out right out of grad school. Yeah. Yeah, I was there six years, and then they were trying to keep the doors open, so they were doing everything they could, <laughs> throwing stuff yeah. overboard,
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: as many institutions are doing. It's not like yeah. that was unique. And so uh, they cut a handful of faculty in 2013, and I was one of them, so I moved back okay. out to Porton.
0: Yeah. and then, and, I, and And then how does the book come to yeah, exist?
1: It comes to exist that next year. I lived in my friend's basement for a year, okay. helped her with... Childcare, care. And I wrote this book, Permission Granted. Yeah. Yeah. And just did a download of all of the really interesting, juicy, exciting conversations yeah. that I got to have in classrooms, you know, in intro courses to the Hebrew, the Old Testament, and New Testament, which I usually refer And to you're as. not
0: married. Correct. So first thing I'm going to say is, well, <laughs> how come you get to have an opinion about marriage? Like, why do you, why uh-huh. do you, why are you the boss of this if you don't even know what you're talking about
1: totally totally yeah um part of the thing part of the reason the answer to that is because i'm talking about biblical contexts and texts okay. and yeah. it, i'm i have never counseled someone on a marriage or on a relationship oh, cool. yeah. i listen to people i listen to my friends i try to learn from what they're dealing with and i respect yeah. it but and i've even performed a couple married weddings which that feels a little weird to me too, because I'm not, but I respect these choices of theirs and I love these people and I yeah. want to be a part of their celebration. So sure. But yeah, biblically speaking, I think we can, I think it actually makes me a little bit more um, objective. I don't think any of us are ever fully objective, Zach, but yeah, I, you know, we all have a bias, but I think because I'm not trying to defend something or make some, the te- the scriptures say something in particular, yeah. you know? I think I'm a, in a sense, it's almost better that I'm not married because then I'm yeah. just looking at these scriptures for what they're saying.
0: What are they saying? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you, what's the secret? I got, I mean, I can, I got all kinds of questions, but I'll let you speak. I
1: know. I want to, I want to talk about what you want to hear me talk about.
0: Well, I think again, I, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to figure out like, what's going to be the, like, what do I want? our listeners to feel. I want mm-hmm. our listeners to, under- okay, let me tell you this. This kind of started because I made a joke on a podcast a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago and a lady and some one lady didn't like it. Mm, she okay. didn't like it. Cause she thought I was um, sort of alienating or isolating Christians. Oh, and I was okay. like, well, first of all, sorry about that. Second of all, I probably was being a little snarky about it because I do have, I do have like this, a little bit of contempt for sort of the, 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 the the generally accepted understanding of what does it mean to be like in a, in a Christian marriage or like I do kind of, I'm like, well, what are you talking about? And so what I want is for people to go, Oh, there's things that I haven't even like thought of. And yeah. part of it is this like idea of context, right? Because if you go into the old Testament, I, I don't know if you did this or if I did this, but if you go into the old Testament and you start reading about all the things that I'm a, I'm a, Laura makes fun of me because I'm an alliterator mm, I alliterate okay. all the okay. time. Okay. This is what, th- okay this is what ma- marriage is about in the old testament okay Procre- procreation uh-huh. be fruitful and multiply mm-hmm. property mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. polygamy mm-hmm. more there's more than the, i'll start with p profit
1: i'm picking up on Did that you, is this
0: you is this, me? Is this that's you you you. Or me that's you that's you that's you peace like mm-hmm. we're gonna not have war anymore because we're gonna marry our families together
1: nice yeah good
0: so so yeah and- i'm like And when most people think about like their biblical marriage that they want to have, they're not thinking about procreation, Mm -hmm. property, polygamy, profit Mm -hmm. and peace. They're thinking about this other thing that has crept into their consciousness. And so I guess that's the thing I want to bat around a little bit.
1: Let's do that. And I can I can do a simple and then elaborate however much you want to. How about that? Yeah. that's So. Yeah. So the book I'm working on right now is called Marriage in the Bible. I do not okay. think it means what you think it means. <laughs> okay. Oh, right on the right?
0: subtitles. I do not think it means what you yeah, think it means. Yeah. Got yeah. a little um who, what is that? Is that um,
1: Princess Bride. Three
0: Stooges? Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. Yeah.
1: I do not think this yeah. word means what you think it means. <laughs> Inconceivable. Yeah. Right.
0: It's plethora. Um, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's <laughs> start with a P. Wait, what what
1: does
0: No, it's not. What's the word that he what is the word he's talking about? I do not think. Oh, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the scene from Three Stooges. No, not Three Stooges. Three Amigos, where he talks about the plethora of pinatas. Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: Anyway. I don't know that off the top of my head. Yeah.
0: All right. Hey, gang. If you're spending time with loved ones for the holidays, chances are you're going to hear a lot of stories. The ones you love to hear, the ones you've heard, well, too many times. I'm going home to Virginia to be with my family, my mom, my brother, their families. We're really excited about it. Last year, we gave my mom a gift that we're all very excited about. And if you're still looking for a gift idea, I can't recommend this enough. I want you to check out StoryWorth. It's basically a way for your loved one to write their whole story in a fun, simple, easy way. Here's how it works. Every week, StoryWorth sent my mom an email and asked her a question. She got to pick something like, what's the bravest thing you've ever done? Or what's the farthest you've ever traveled? She also got to write, for example, about her birth story, which was amazing for me to read. Um, And all all she had to do was type up a story and hit reply. After one year, StoryWorth compiled her memories and any photos that she had and put together an exquisite hardcover book that we now have. Um, It's been really cool to read about my mom's life and also to read it to my kids. Millions of stories have already been told with StoryWorth because they make the process so simple. If my mom can do it, I mean, if my mother-in-law can do it, then your loved one can do it too. Get started with your loved one for the holidays and before you know it, you'll both be cherishing those timeless stories for generations to come. Help your family share their story this holiday season in a way that's truly exquisite. Go to StoryWorth.com slash MTR today and save $10 on your first purchase. That's StoryWorth.com, storywort com slash MTR to save $10 on your first purchase. com slash MTR. Happy holidays and happy new year from Marriage Therapy Radio and StoryWorth. So your new book,
1: this comes out of a decade of having conversations with people about what air quotes the Bible says about marriage. And so it's not like I came to this on my own. I came to this from listening to people, you know, so it's so usually when people refer to this thing called biblical marriage, they do have four basic if they're Christian. They do have four basic passages in mind, and it is the first one actually is the procreation one, Genesis one twenty eight, be fruitful and multiply. The second is usually in this construct, Genesis two twenty four. Therefore, man shall leave his parents and cling to Mm -hmm. his woman. We want to talk about that one. Wife, right? And the two become one flesh. The third is Matthew nineteen four to six, which is quoting Genesis two twenty four, and then then we have the thing about. Whether or not you can, it's it's in a conversation about whether or not you can divorce, right? And, mm-hmm. and he says that thing, that thing about, I don't have the verses memorized right now because I always like to keep people going. Like, don't just mm-hmm. end with this premise, which is the beginning of the conversation. But he's quoting Genesis 2.24, and therefore what, what God has joined together, let no one separate.
0: <clears throat> right. Okay.
1: The fourth is Ephesians 5.31 and 32. Right. Which also quotes Genesis 2.24. Yep. And then says... This is a great mystery profound and I'm
0: Christ yep. in the church. I love it. I love it. I use it all the time where I talk Do about you? how people are like, oh yeah, this is what a marriage is. It's this and this, and this, it's, it's right there in Ephesians. I go, yeah, but you know what the next sentence is? <laughs> this is a profound mystery. Like we have got to sleuth this thing out. We've got to like, we've got to put on our detective hats because it's not just this cut and dry sort of thing that you get out of. So, yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's my favorite. It's my favorite.
1: Oh dear. I might ruin your favorite for you. Can I, can I ruin your favorite for you?
0: I don't know. You can't, I don't know if you can. Okay. Go ahead. You can try.
1: I would say to you, Zach, I want you to keep reading and read the next verse. Yeah. Because it talks, it makes it really clear that men are, um, it, women are submissive to men in the next, the very next sentence.
0: Okay. Wait, you're okay. Hold on. This is a profound mystery. We're talking about Christ in the church. And then the okay. next verse. Yeah. Is the one about I'm, submissive.
1: Yeah, it starts that passage in Ephesians starts out by telling women to be submissive to their men, just as slaves are submissive to their masters. And it wraps okay. up with, with that reminder. So, you know, you can keep whichever part of that you want, but I think it's noteworthy. So what do
0: you do with that, though? Like, what do you do with that that piece of it?
1: Well, I like to ask people to read the whole thing in context. And I, I want to talk about Ephesians 5, 21 to 33, that okay. whole little section because of what it's saying to women and and to men, what it's saying to both of them. And, and I'm going to cut to the chase and say, I don't think it's entirely fair to either. Um, I mm-hmm. think it puts incredible stress on men to try to have to live up to the standard that's set there, mm-hmm. even before you get to the whole thing about, I mean, Christ died for the church and men are supposed to be able to lay down their lives in the same way. Well, guess what, folks? <laughs> Jesus was mm-hmm. raised from the dead and a man mm-hmm. doesn't get to be raised once he's yeah. <laughs> like, this is an unfair, so, fair,
0: like standard. Yeah. I, so I, I have, I have this conversation. We used to I reckon I used to teach this, um, pre-married class at our church. So we were kind of into this and, and that's kind of where okay. I started first using your book, but, um, the, hmm. um, I, okay. So people will go, Oh yeah, we're supposed to love like Christ loved the church. And I'm like, great. How exactly did he do that? Exactly. Like, what exactly did he do? You know? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. he was nice. I go. Was he? Like, how was he nice? You know? Or, oh, <laughs> he he died for them. Or oh, he sacrificed. Or oh, he like they, we have all these platitudes that we kind of can can recite. But I want to uh, like appreciate like e- sort of exactly what that is because that does kind of make you go, wait a second, die? I got to. I'm supposed to die? Well, guess what, folks. You don't get the second part, which is you know part of right. it.
1: Right. Right. And so, well, then we want to make it metaphorical. Well, that's fine. And that's, I'm not going to stop people from doing what they're going to do to make it work for them. I just want to be honest about what it is saying. And, yeah. you know, the verse, the so for this reason, a man will leave his father and be joined as a woman that, to become one mm-hmm. flesh. This is a great mystery. But I'm speaking about mm-hmm. Christ in the church. Each of you, however, should love his woman as himself and a woman should should fear her husband. The mm. language in the Greek is fear. Mm. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that, Zach. I don't know about that. I don't like it either. Yeah. So I I think, so I think it for me, what that does is it makes me hold tightly. Like if I used to hold tightly to what these scriptures were saying, it makes me hold a little less tightly. I want to be able to say, there are some good nuggets in here. And, and I ultimately always want to respect where someone else is coming from. I'm not on any kind of, uh, crusade here. I, I'm not, yeah. I used to Okay, kind but of what do you use...
0: say to the purist? Who's like, well, you can't, you can't just pick and choose what you like in the Bible.
1: Well, then I'm going to ask them to do all these other things that they, they aren't aware they're missing out on, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of what you were saying beforehand, right? Like, yeah. are, are you, do, are, what the clothes you're wearing right now, is there a mixture of polyester and cotton? Yeah. Cause if so, then yeah. I need you to remove that. Cause that's not appropriate. You know, like start yeah. with the simple stuff, you know? So
0: it's almost like unconsciously we already agree that we are living in a context, right? I mean, unconsciously we are because I'm putting on these clothes and I'm like, not even, I'm not even thinking about the fact that there's mixed fibers in here. Like right, it's and, and of, why
1: does it matter, right?
0: Yeah. It doesn't do. Uh, interesting.
1: We are all cherry picking which passages matter to us.
0: Okay, wait, we're going back to Genesis. In Genesis, there's this okay. idea, man will leave mom and dad, be united to his wife, the two will become one flesh. That's how you understand it?
1: No. I understand no, it, that a man will leave his parents and join to his woman, okay. not his wife.
0: Okay. Join to his woman. And yeah. the two will become one flesh.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how important
0: because I I I use this a lot, but I concentrate on the verbs.
1: Sure. Not sure. on the that, pronouns,
0: right? I think so that's leave, appropriate. Be united.
1: Yeah. Become, become one.
0: Mm-hmm. Um how important are the, the, the pronouns, how important are the, like kind of the objects of these verbs? Like, is it about a man? Is it about a woman? Is it about a wife? Is it about a, you know, what do you, what do you think? Because again, you're parsing the language quite clearly, but
1: what's why the point? do I care? Yeah. Why yeah I what's making, the point why of that point little
0: that? section there?
1: Well, for one thing, it's one of the main passages that people turn to to justify the belief that sex before marriage is a sin.
0: Right. Because one flesh. That's us that's that's mashing bodies together. Right.
1: And the translators have told us they are now married before they become one flesh. But the language in the Hebrew does not change. She's it's a man and a woman in verse 23, and it's a man and a woman in verse 24. And it's a man and a woman in chapter three and chapter four, because there is no Hebrew noun for wife and husband. It is okay. just man and woman, or there are labels for the man as a lord, master, and all those other things. But there's no husband-wife language in the Hebrew Bible.
0: Okay. Same
1: goes for for the verb to marry. By the way, which is not okay. your point or your question, but there isn't a verb to marry. It's it's almost always like ninety percent of the time it's the verb to take. As in a man goes and takes from his from her family, a woman purchases her okay. whatever take. Not, do you take this person? Do you take this person? But
0: <laughs> yeah, but can I get this person to establish my property rights or can I get yeah, exactly. this person to establish yeah. my, Will
1: they give me sons. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Isn't it? So yeah. Okay. But also I, I didn't, it was a little bit of a curveball in there because I kind okay. of thought you were going to do the, um, the man. And when you're talking about the man and woman thing, you were going to talk about there was going to be this commentary on same sex notion, but like it wasn't, you were talking man and woman as opposed to husband, wife, not necessarily man and woman as opposed to man, man or woman, woman. Yeah. What do you like? Where, where's your study taking you in that space?
1: In the same sex.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's the, it's the question out there, right? Like, is that allowed? You know?
1: Yeah. I, you know, I, um, started doing a series of short videos that I call does the Bible tell you so. Yeah. And, uh, have it. you seen them? No,
0: <laughs> no. I mean, yeah. actually, yes, I have, I have not watched okay. them, no but worries. I, when I was researching, I noticed that there were a couple of them out there. So cool. Cool. I'll have to take yeah. a look for sure.
1: I didn't mean any sort of pressure. You have a lot on your plate, but yes, um, this is, I start out with some easier topics and then I got to, I did three different sessions on some version of homosexuality or sure. the sex act passages, yeah. which is what some of the clobbers are. Um, yeah. they're talking about sex acts. They're not actually talking about, um, person who might okay. be homosexual. Um, yeah. So I did a separate video on that. And then I just did the sin of Sodom, you know, what it actually mm-hmm. is. So, you know, I think it's a longer conversation than I can give just a simple response to. What I think is is interesting is that there are biblical stories that give a nod to acknowledging that there are people who, are attra- who are, have sexual desires for are attracted to people of the same sex. There are okay. biblical stories that do that, and they are prime characters, actually. Okay. And they're not being judged for that. They're actually an important part of the storyline or an essential part of the storyline. Yeah. Like, okay. So what could we expect from an ancient text? Could we expect an ancient text in their specific context to embrace homosexuality You know, gay, lesbian, bisexual, like not in their specific location with all the things that they were trying to define for themselves over and against the people around them. No, I don't think we should even expect that. And so people want to say, since it's not in there, that means that God doesn't approve of it. Well, here's the thing about that is, in my opinion, is there are things that we do approve of today that are not in there. Mm -hmm. Does that mean we don't get to approve of them because they're not in the Bible? Yeah. And primarily what I mean there in this conversation with you, Zach, is people want to affirm a loving marriage entered into by two equals, mm-hmm. mutually choosing to enter into it. That isn't represented in the Bible anywhere.
0: Yeah. Isn't that mind blowing?
1: Yes. <laughs> right? The-
0: it's like, are you do you because it sounds like you want this, but that's not in this book that you exactly. Are, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I want people to be in loving relationships that are mutually yeah. entered into, right? Of no course. coercion, thanks. Right. So, you know, just that's my right.
0: the, the the notion that we have of a marriage right now, that there are two people who love each other mm-hmm. and who are choosing each other mm-hmm. and are who are interested mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. even deepening their value set together,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's, not
1: that's not represented
0: biblical. in the text.
1: It's not biblical. Yeah. And that's the true. passage that people like to turn to, I memorized. First Corinthians thirteen to read at my brother's wedding, right? right? Yeah, yeah. That's not that's not addressed to couples. That's addressed to community.
0: Huh? Yeah.
1: Right, and it's lovely, and and we won't get into that.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I, listen, if all this does is make people go, oh, what, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's fine. Like I, I don't. We don't need to solve anything. We need to stir no, things good. up because. um, But okay, I don't think I got the answer to this question. This idea okay. out of Genesis, the the leave and be united and become again, what's the point? Like, what is that? What, what is the invitation there for the reader?
1: Well, there are a couple different layers. I'll try to be concise and not get into everything. I think, because (laughs) I, I think, I think if we, (laughs) I think if we read Genesis two, like that section of Genesis two, I think it is trying to talk about a nearly Universal, but not not every human wants this, but nearly universal human desire to find a partner, like to find somebody to, you know, join join up with. Right. Um, And in their context, yeah, sure. They're talking male, female. But but I think this is talking about a human desire for companionship. I mean, if you look at the opening part where. God breathes life into the human. That's not a male. It's just a generic human, which a lot of people don't know. And I get that, but I like talking about it. Um, And then God says, hey, it's not good for this human to be alone. So, yeah, companionship, right? Like, that's what this part of the story is trying to talk about. And so, you know, God trots out all the animals. Unfortunately, none of those worked. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Not a fan of bestiality. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and the cues that we were given, you know, how to read a story when it has near the end of the story. Therefore, like, look to mm-hmm. see what it's there for. That's what we've been building to is. And there is this other tangent here of this is interestingly giving a nod to the matriarchal societies around the okay. Hebrew people or Israelite because that men went to the women. They went to their families instead of women leaving theirs to join the man's, mm. which is just kind of a fun little. It, uh, what's artifacts, something left over that's still in there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting because it doesn't say the woman leaves her family and joins him, but he leaves his family and goes over. Anyway, but back to the point, in my opinion, is that this is, yeah, this is talking about life partnership. And yeah. and they didn't have language for marriage and they didn't have language for, you know, the way we do, you know, like engaged and married or, you know, like wim- yeah. women in particular yeah. tend to change their labels right? Miss to misses were indicating a change in status. They didn't have that same change in status being indicated. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. I, 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 um, yeah, I think, I think people need to have experiences of having their, their, whatever they assume kind of just being turned on its head a little bit. And that's why I kind of, I'll vacuum out the kind of the objects of those verbs and I'll talk about leave because you do need to establish like a clear Mm -hmm. boundary between sort of what was, Mm -hmm. And then like, whatever is going to be next. Right. Agreed.
1: And then, yeah.
0: So sometimes that's mom and dad, sometimes at the apartment that you lived in, yeah. like, try to move into, try to move into his house and now it's <laughs> his house. And that's like, but, um, you know, or then, um, you know, be united is really about kind of, this is now the new decision we're making. And then I like become because it's an active verb, right? It's never, sort of never stops. That's the mystery part that I really, that I really like. Like, this is a, this is a profound mystery that we have to sort of suss out and continue to sort of sort of figure out because the other thing of course, is that, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of getting on my own little horse right now is that, you know, people will say something like, you're not the man I married. And I'm like, thank God. You know, I thank God Rebecca. I'm not the man Rebecca married. I that was a 23 year old, 24 year old, you know punk, punk knew yeah. everything and so sort of the idea that we have to have room to change and become and sort of transform into the thing but um but yeah uh, okay so that's genesis then we fast forward to ephesians there's this idea of the mystery i i'm kind of stuck too on this idea of the fear like what do we how do you make sense of that for people who are like wait a second i'm supposed to submit and the fear and so I mean, is it really just the nuance of the language or is there something else that is trying to be communicated?
1: It's a shift to something more patriarchal than what the early church movement had had. So I think, I think early on there were, there were moments or pockets of affirming women in leadership and Paul himself even has parts of some of his letters where he talks, he doesn't talk to married couples very often, which is probably good since he was celibate. But it's not really a good idea to give advice on something you don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, But he does talk to, like in 1 Corinthians 7, he talks about the way he talks about uh, um, people being married to each other and their bodies belonging to each other. There are some red flags there for me um, in modern terms because... I belong to myself and no one else, but the mutuality, I think is what he's trying to get out there, I think is really lovely. And it's the only time, it's one of the only times in the entire Christian Bible where you have someone speaking about a married couple as equals. Hmm. And I think that's part of why the early Christian movement got in trouble is they had, Mm. you know, this egalitarian spirit and women were actually leading and slaves were even actually leading. And that's a whole nother tangent. But that's part of why it's kind of like the backlash thing. It was getting them in trouble. It got some attention. It helped them get some numbers, but it also politically from the outside looked sketchy. And so you have this, okay, well let's get back to those patriarchal strict. Yeah. Males are dominant. Women are submissive. Let's be very clear to the outside world that we are submitting to those good household roles and rules. So, I don't want to ignore or excuse that language in Ephesians it's phobos it's fear it's mm. it it the opening of the section in first in Ephesians 5 it's you know talking to women about fearing it's it's language that you know it it's not okay with me but I want to be honest that that's what it is
0: yeah interesting And I wonder what the, I wonder what the benevolent version of fear is. I mean, obviously none of us would be like, Oh yeah, I, I, I husband by fear, (laughs) you know? I mean, I mean, maybe not obviously in none of us. I mean, I think that as definitely a, the patriarchy as a giant capital P thing in quotes definitely exists. And, uh, and, and the impact is still there. I mean, it's, it's toxic and it's problematic, but I wondered if there's an invitation to fear, what is the version of that that looks closer to mutual respect or mutual regard or mutual, right? you know, sort of shared, shared appreciation? Um,
1: right. And I, I think that if you, you know, I, but I think you just need to be honest that you're, you're saying that you're, you're looking at the fact that this is an ancient idea. However yeah. you want to understand the scriptures being inspired, this yeah. is, it does have language that is detrimental to females. It's also yeah. detrimental to males when you require that males be in that role all the freaking time. Like, I don't think it's yeah. helpful for either side. And I also yeah. don't like talking in just dualities. But yeah, I, if you want to move into space where you want to talk about mutuality and love and generosity and forgiveness and understanding, I think that's appropriate. You just don't get to turn to the Bible for it.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. That's fair. (laughs) Uh, That's Mm. the money quote right there. Hey, um, so here's all my notes. I'm just going to tell you, you can write, you can write these down for your book. Um,
1: Oh, okay. Should I be, will you send me a recording? Just take notes (laughs) real
0: quick. Well... (laughs) Because, okay. So on the, on the backside, on the front side is the things that we've already said that I'll start with P procreation, property, polygamy, profit, peace. I went and I I found little proof texts for myself and all of those places. Um, (laughs) power I think was on that list, but it's not personal preference. Hmm. You're saying personal preference is never really part of the, part of the biblical definition, like mutually choosing.
1: Okay. What do you mean my personal preference that I'm.
0: That's what I mean. Like, Hey, you're cute. Hey, you're cute too. Okay. Uh, I kind of love you. I kind of love you too. And we're kind of doing like, there's, there's plenty of fish in the sea, but I choose you fish. Like that's not really the scene.
1: (laughs) I think, you know, it isn't. And I think that there's, it's, I need to point out that Rebecca is the first, the first woman who's sought out in the Genesis story. And she seems incredibly game, you know, which is great. She plays along really nicely and they reiterate twice how much how much uh, Isaac's servant slave pays her family for her, you know. Um, But she but according to the storyline, she goes along, she plays on quite nicely. So there's a question there in my mind. Well, of course, uh, she's excited about finding someone that she's going to be able to survive with because it is a matter of survival. And it's, you know, like, I mean, there's it's a different culture. It's a different world. Also, it, it, it's another conversation to say men are writing these stories. So to what extent was she actually game? And to what extent, you know what I mean? Like, rah, rah, rah. yeah, so we can see things like Micah loved David. Well, he didn't love her. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh. It says that Isaac loved Rebecca, but we don't have anything to back that up except for the fact that she was hot. mm.
0: Oh, well, Rebecca is hot. I'll tell you that. And right so now. is
1: Rachel, apparently. Yeah.
0: My wife's name is Rebecca. Don't forget <laughs> Oh, 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 that. right, right. Throw that in there. <laughs> That's, good. Um, That's good. Well, okay. So in my post, what do we do with all this stuff? Here's some more peas yeah. for you. And you, the, one of them is yours. I got it from you. It's permission, right? Permission mm-hmm. to think differently about whatever a biblical marriage is. We need that. And that can only come from perspective. Look at me. Look at you. Crushing it at the peas, <laughs> um, And... Um, and yeah, and that's a process to sort of figure it out. I mean, again, there's this idea of a profound mystery also starts with P, but geez, there's so much here and I just hope people will play with it because it seems so easy to get hooked on things like, what was it? Uh, like the purity movement, like we, oh, that Mm. starts with P too. Like Mm -hmm. that because, and justify it with all of these sort of, um, sort of very narrow views of what, what it is that, that the Bible is actually saying. So I don't know. I'm glad to, I'm glad to talk to you. I'm glad to get more permission and perspective. I hope listeners that that's been fun for you too.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay. I want to ask you one more question because I feel like I, I feel like this is going to come up. What do you do with the idea that God hates divorce?
1: Yeah. And and that's actually that passage, right? In Matthew 19, it's also, it's also in a couple other places, but it's the same basic idea. Um, I, I know you might not like my answer, but I want to go look at, both what the passages that Jesus and the Pharisees he's talking to, what they're the passages they're drawing upon. And I want to talk about why divorce was a problem. Why, why is divorce a problem in these contexts? It's all focused on the sex. It's all about a woman Mm -hmm. having sex with someone. And so she's having sex with this man that who now has claimed her, as her first husband, and now he divorces her, and they're both going to move on, and he's going to have sex with someone else, and she is too. Interesting assumption. And and you can't do that. And it's all around territorial issues and ideas about sex, mm-hmm. and in particular, a woman's body for that sexual encounter. And I also want to suggest that people look beyond verses four to six, which is why I think it's interesting that they take that out of people take that out of context to say this defines biblical marriage. Because if you read the whole exchange in the rest of you know the next few verses in Matthew 19, um, it, his, Jesus' disciples are like, well, if that's the case, then we shouldn't marry to begin with. And he doesn't disqualify. He doesn't say no, no, no. He They're like, it's better not to marry to begin with. And he's like, well, actually, if you can handle it, go castrate yourself for the kingdom. So he's this this discussion among rabbis about which reason for divorce are you okay with is how it starts out. And he plays along by trotting out the same passages that they're arguing with. And then he ends up by saying, if you can handle it, chop those balls off. And what does that mean? That yeah. doesn't mean that men are to be abstinent or celibate. It means something very different in the first century to be a eunuch. And it is not, by the way, asexual. <laughs> it's something entirely different.
0: That's insane. Um, so God doesn't hate divorce. Wait, hold on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so why does God hate divorce? That's the question then. If you want to ask the, the, yeah. the basic question, why is it? What does it say in scripture? Why God hates divorce? Because it's. Because it's about women's bodies and vaginas, like Interesting. only one penis gets to go in there. Like what?
0: I'm in, I'm into it. Uh, my mom will be thrilled. She loves hearing it, um, hearing us talk about penises <laughs> and vaginas on the podcast. And so um, <laughs> good. I didn't even tell her that I was talking to you, but I think she'll be delighted. I think this episode's going to come out right before Christmas, so oh, cool. it'll be okay. a gift for everybody in the uh, nice. in the marriage therapy radio land. Jennifer Bird, how do people figure out how to find you?
1: The easiest way is to go to my website, which is my full okay. name, jennifergracebird.com. And Jennifer all the Grace other Bird things.
0: Yeah.
1: All the other things Some you can get. Some of your
0: videos to. are there?
1: Mm-hmm. My videos. I have um, a, the series of YouTube videos. You know, you can get, I have a link on my website to get you to my YouTube okay. channel for those. Yeah.
0: Cool. I love it. Did we miss anything? Is there anything that we well, didn't get? Well, I
1: do want to, I don't know if you're even aware of this, but I did create a series of videos about three years ago. The the video series is called Marriage in the Bible, A Discussion Among Friends. And it is my attempt to help people from communities of faith. I had Methodists and Presbyterians in mind, just to be honest, um, who are having this conversation and it's going to divide their denominations, whatever. This issue of what to do with how to handle this reality of homosexuality, gay marriage, Gays and lesbians, bisexual people want to be married to all of that. So, um, I'm I'm never interested in trying to tell someone what to think or believe, but I am very invested in asking people to consider what the Bible actually is and isn't saying. So, this video series is my attempt to offer like 15 minute, 15 18 minute like videos of content, and then I'm expecting that people will be in a will be watching it with friends, and they will work through it together. So. I don't know if that appeals to you or anyone, you know, yeah. um, but probably. that's it's uh, that's out there and you can access those through my website also. And yeah. I have like a leader's guide that I put together because it's it's dense. It's really a dense video series, to be honest. Um, it's not for that's, everyone.
0: That's great. I love it. I love <laughs> it. I think people ought to do dense thinking do about too. things that they yeah. kind of have come to assume for no reason without even maybe even knowing why right. they assume it, because... Right. It just makes for richer, deeper, more thoughtful engagement in this stuff. And that's where, um, again, I really wanted to have a conversation that was not simply about sort of what, what, you know, what are you supposed to say? I want to, I want to, I don't want to know that. I want to agree that I don't know what I'm supposed to say. And so that's why we have to pay attention. I like it. All right. Well, thank you. And it was good to see your face. We're coming back East for Christmas, but I don't think we'll hit Roanoke, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I loved reconnecting with you and I appreciate, Sweet. I appreciate you and your work.
1: Thank you, Zach. Goodness. That means a lot. It's really good to see you too.
0: So there it is. Thanks again for listening to marriage therapy radio. If you enjoyed that conversation with Jennifer Bird, please check out her book. It's called permission granted. I loved it. Glad you got to know my mom a little bit. And, um, again, I hope you have a happy holidays, um, from marriage therapy radio I'll take a moment to thank you once again for the time and attention you put into making your relationship better today than it was yesterday.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s.